I want to ask you a question this morning. How does God relate to mankind? How does God relate to mankind? Now, you might think that God relates to everyone the same, but it's just not so. I came here to tell you that there is a distinction made, a line drawn between those who are in Christ and those who are not. Now, don't get me wrong. There are many things about every human being that are the same in relation to God. Number one, God created everybody, didn't he? He, he created us as objects of love. That means he loves each and every one of us. The Bible tells us that he loves every one of us, no matter whether we're his children or we're not his children. He loves us all. And here's the important thing is that his love is offered to all of us. And any who will can receive his love. Any who will can become his child. Amen. It's not a matter of how good you are or bad you are or what your past looks like, what your uh, record is or how much money you have in the bank or how many times you made it to church. Whoever you are, the offer of salvation is out there extended to you by God. That is to everyone. But here's the thing. Not everyone accepts that offer, do they? It's extended to everyone, but not everyone accepts it. The Bible is clear. There is a strong distinction between the children of God and those who are not the children of God. The way that God relates to his children and the way that he relates to those who are not his children are not the same thing. Are you hearing me today? This is going to be very important. I may be talking about this for the next few weeks, and I want you to really grasp this because I think this is important that we redefine the line for everybody because, you see, the enemy wants to blur the line. You see this line I've got up on the wall here and, and on the floor, but the enemy wants to blur the line. He wants everybody to think that we're all just uh, saved and that if you're a good person, it doesn't really matter whether you uh, know Jesus or whether you, you know, if you're, a, if you're a Muslim, that's okay. If you're a Buddhist, that's okay. And, and yet the Bible doesn't say these things. Come on, there's an there's a earthly level of, of, of blurring the line. The reason the enemy wants to blur the line in your mind is because if you don't know there's a line and it has a strong distinction, then you might think you're okay when you're not really okay. Nobody's going to get to heaven and look at God and go, you know, God, I know I didn't accept Jesus, but I'm pretty cool. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. You know, I belong in here, right? Surely you got a place for me. Uh, and, and God's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Because it isn't being good that gets you into heaven. It's knowing Jesus that gets you into heaven. Come on, somebody. Are you with me this morning? The enemy wants to blur the line, but I came here today to redefine the line so that you can see which side of the line that you're on. You're on one side of the line or the other. Let me tell you something. You can't be halfway in Christ. You can't be halfway saved no more than you can be halfway pregnant. You either are or you're not. One moment you are and the next moment, or one moment you're not, the next moment you are. I'm not going to draw a picture for you, but uh, the same way in Christ, right? One moment you're not, and then you place your faith in Christ, and you are in. Doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean you do everything right. Doesn't mean that God's uh, taken all the problems away from you. What it means is that you've gone from one side of the line to the other. You've gone from you to being in Christ. I want to talk to you about the line. You see, on one side of the line is the law. The law, let's, let's make this side over here the law, the law. Now, you people, 
I feel, feel for you. I know that you're not trying to live under the law. And, and on, on this side of the line is grace. This is where Jesus wants you to reside. And, and so there are two distinct places. Everyone today is either living under the law or they're living under grace. Are you catching me today? You're not in the middle. You're either on one side or the other. You can't, you can't float the line. Like one preacher said, he that straddleth the fence shall someday come upon a high post. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't ride the fence. You're on one side of the line or the other. Over here is the law. Over here is self-sufficiency. This is you being good enough to earn your way to heaven. Over here is you doing it all on your own self. It's up to you. Let me tell you something. A lot of churches, a lot of religion have you over here. If you, if you hear the message that's constantly about how you need to behave a certain way and it's just beating you down and every time you come to church you feel like you need to go home and behave better, that's because the preacher's pushing you on the law side of the line and God is trying to take you over here because on this side of the line, Jesus already did all the work. Hallelujah. Amen. On this side of the line, the end is death. On this side of the line, the end is eternal life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And everyone is living on one side of the line or the other. And you know, all of us start on the law side of the line. Amen. That's how God relates to us. And let me tell you how this started. You see, um, a long time ago, Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. You remember that? And uh, because he sinned in the Garden of Eden... Sin came into the world and into mankind, and we're all born broken. Uh, it's like I've said before, you know, you don't have to teach a kid to do bad things. They'll steal a toy from somebody, smack a, you know, a two-year-old will push another two-year-old down and steal their toy, and you didn't have to show them. A four-year-old will lie to you, and, you know, they got, you know, they got uh, uh, ice cream all over their face, and you'll say, who got into the ice cream? And you'll, they'll say, oh, it wasn't me. <laughs> wasn't me. They lie on their own. That's because mankind has fallen. We've got the nature uh, of, of fallen man inside of us. And when sin came into the world, mankind wanted to fix himself. Now, uh, there's sayings here on earth that are not bad, but they're things like, you know, um, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. If you fall down, get back up. You know, uh, I did it my way. Uh, things like this that are really descriptions of you uh, taking care of yourself. And there's elements of that in this life that are true. But when it comes to our spirituality, we've got to be careful that we don't try to uh, uh, pick ourselves back up and take care of ourselves. Because what happens when we say to God that, that I want to correct my faults, I want to fix my life, I want to do what I want to do. You know what God did? God said to mankind, okay, let me tell you how you can become self-sufficient. Let me tell you how you can earn your way to heaven. Here's a list of laws and rules. And if you obey each and every one of them every day of your life without fail, then you will earn your ticket to heaven. Hallelujah. That was the law. The law is based upon saving yourself, self-effort. Let me read you a couple scriptures, and this is everywhere. When you get into the Old Testament, read this stuff um, and, and watch what it says. Deuteronomy 6, 1 through 2. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded you to teach you that you may do them in the land where you were going over to possess it so that you and your son and your grandson might fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command you all the days of your life that your days may be 
prolong. Did you hear those words? Statutes, commandments, do them, obey them. Verse 24 and 25, so the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always and for our survival as it is today. Now watch this. If you do that, it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all this commandment before the Lord our God just as he commanded us. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments that you may live and multiply and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter it and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. So choose life in order that you may live you and your descendants. That's some pretty serious stuff right there. And if you read the Old Testament, now now let me tell you something. If you're in the Old Testament and you're going through the laws and stuff like that, you need to understand that there are shadows of what Christ came to do in the law, and there are lessons to learn from the law. But it's not our job to go into the law and start trying to uh, use our own willpower to abide by the law. If you wake up every day and you decide that you're going to obey the Ten Commandments, the problem with that is if you break one of them, if you ever just break one of them, if you ever tell one liar, disrespect your parents or if you you know the bible says don't commit adultery right well jesus said even if you look at somebody lustfully you've committed adultery in your heart the problem with living on the law side is that you've got to obey every single one of them every day of your life all the time because if you ever break one it's over and i don't need a show of hands today but i would just bet that every one of you have broken one of the laws (laughs) amen that's us right We've broken the law. God said, okay, let me tell you what I'm going to do. You want to save yourself? I'm going to give you the law. Here's the thing about it. You've got to obey it all the time, every moment of your life. The law is based on self-effort. This side of the line says there are rules. You've got to know them and you've got to obey them. Can I tell you something? People are breaking laws, uh, spiritual laws from the law that uh, they don't even know they're breaking. Come on. Come on, I had someone call me up one time and say, um, you know, my wife wants to get a tattoo and I don't want her to get one, so can you give me a scripture that I can use to, uh, you know, let her know that God don't want her getting the tattoo? <laughs> and, uh, you know, you can go in the law and you can find a scripture in there that says don't put any marks on your body. And I told him that and he got real happy until I told him, but you know what, that's the law. We don't live under the law. If you're going to take one part of the law, you got to take all of it. You see, the next part of the law says you can't cut the corners off your beard either. So if you're going to say you can't have a tattoo, that means you, you men need to grow a beard and it has to be square because you can't round it off at the bottom. And a bazillion other silly things that were ceremonial and we don't live in anymore. Come on. Come on. Are you with me? 
If you want to get into the law, you got to know every single one of the rules and you've got to obey them every day, all the time. If you were to do that, you would be righteous and you would have earned a name that is above every name. Come on, are you hearing me? There's only one person who obeyed every law and his name was Jesus. Amen. You got to know the rules. Number two, God is not your father when you live under the law. He is your judge. Come on. You ever, you ever watch a court show and you see like a fair but righteous judge and he'll have someone come in and he has compassion for them but at the same time the law is the law and he's not afraid to throw the book down? He's not afraid to let the hammer fall. He's not afraid to punish. Let me tell you something. If you're going to live on this side of the law, God is your judge. And he loves you immensely. And he wants to save you. And he's offering you a place in his family. He's offering you something better. But if you insist on staying on the law side of the line, there's coming a day when you're going to stand before him. And he's going to declare to you the judgment. Now, it's not going to be based upon like earthly judgment. It's going to be based upon the word of God. Can I tell you something today, church? Everybody has their opinion on right and wrong. And and can I tell you what everybody's opinion on right and wrong is worth? About two cents. About two cents, including mine. Well, you know, pastor, I just don't think this is wrong. Or, you know, pastor, I just don't think that's the right thing to do. You know, I feel like this is the way it is. And, And our morals are evolving and changing. Can I tell you a secret? If morals are decided by you, then I don't trust your morals. If truth is decided by you, I don't trust your truth. If truth is decided by, can I tell you something? I don't even believe the same thing today that I believed uh, 10 years ago. So how in the world can I even trust myself to decide right and wrong? Amen. And so we must trust in the word of God. And that's what God is going to judge you on. Listen, God doesn't take opinion polls. He's not interested in society's opinion. He's not interested in the latest political opinion. God says this is right. This is wrong. And the wages of sin is death. And if you insist on staying on the, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to earn my way into heaven. Someday God, the judge is going to judge you according to his holy and perfect and good truthful word. Come on. Are you with me today? If I didn't tell you the truth, that means I didn't love you, right? I came to tell you the truth. The law is about the rules. You got to know them. You got to obey them. God is your judge. Some of you are saying, yeah, but the standards are too high. You know why the standards are high? Because God's trying to give you heavenly things. And heavenly things require heavenly standards to receive. Come on, if if you just want to have the stuff down here on earth and live your 80 years and that's the end of you, then you can just kind of be a good person and do more good than and evil. And you can have a mindset that, yeah, that's all I need to do. Yeah, I mess up and, and it's no big deal. And, 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 but I'm basically a good person. Well, you can enjoy the earthly things that that will get you. But God wants to give you heavenly things that are holy and perfect and bigger than you. They're eternal. They're powerful. They're amazing. And you can't receive them in an earthly way. Their standards are high because God's got big things for you. Amen. The scripture says that he wants to seat you in heavenly places and you need a holiness to get there. The law is marked by rules. God is your judge. Really, the one word I can think of with the law, Harold, is fear. You should be afraid if you're living under the law. If you're on this side of the line, you should be afraid. And let me tell you something. If you don't know where you are, you're on this side of the line. If you don't know you're in Christ, then you're on this side of the line. 
which means God is judging you. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You see, that was a covenant. When God says, here's the rules and you got to obey them, that's what we call a covenant. It's a holy agreement that you are required to participate in whether you like it or not. Come on. And you are under an obligation. Now, when God forgives you in Christ and he brings you over in Christ and he wipes your sin away, anybody want to witness with me today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A lot of people think that God just kind of, he just kind of sweeps it under the rug or he forgets about it. Has anybody ever hurt you and done something wrong to you and you forgive them? And it's just kind of, you just let it all go and you just put it all behind you. And that's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And sometimes we think God does that with our sin, like he just swept it under the rug. But I came to tell you that your sin had to be paid for. Somebody had to, somebody had to finish the contract on this side. You are under an agreement that if you ever broke the law, the wages of sin is death. Are you hearing me today? Spiritual death, separation from God. That's what the Bible teaches us. Now, people don't want to hear that. You know why they don't want to hear it? They like to blur the line. They like to tell everybody that everyone is okay and there's no problems. Let's just blur this line and, and we're all good and God loves us all. Listen, he does love us all, but he relates to the people over here differently than he does over here. If you're over here, you're still under the contract of the law. Come on. Now, in church, we talk about grace all the time. We talk about the new covenant all the time, and we should. But I don't want you to forget that today, right now, the old covenant, the law, is still in effect. It's not in effect for me because I crossed the line. Woo! But if you hadn't crossed the line, it's still in effect for you. And everything that it says is still in effect in your life. Come on, are you hearing me today? Fear is the hallmark. If you're living over here, you ought to be afraid. You ought to be afraid. Without Christ, you are living on the death side of the line. You might be physically alive today, but your spirit is dead and death is in your DNA. You can continue to try to save yourself. You can continue to believe that everything is okay. After all, God's a loving God. He loves everybody. He'd never hurt you. But let me tell you something. It's not God who decides where you spend eternity. It's you. It's not up to God to decide which side of the line you belong on. He's made his offer and the choice is yours today. God did not offer the law to save you. He didn't say here's the rules because he thought you could do it. He offered the law so that you try real hard and fail miserably enough times that you'd finally realize I can't do this on this side of the line and I need a savior. And that's when Jesus yells from the other side, hey, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come on. I will do what you couldn't do. Hallelujah. Grace is about Jesus Christ and what he's done in your life. It is received by faith and not by works. Come on, I want to read some scriptures to you today. Hang, hang loose for just a moment while I read to you today. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people on this side of the line, but now you are a people on this side of the line. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Are you catching that today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Romans chapter 3, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's on this side of the law. But being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ over here on this side of the law. Are you hearing this? The Bible is full of these scriptures. Let me read another one to you. Colossians chapter 2, 13 through 15. When you were dead in your transgressions and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he then made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, and having taken it out of the way, he nailed it to the cross. And when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. I want to just stay on this for a little while right here. Because on this side of the line is what we call grace. And, and let me tell you what grace is. Grace is, is God's blessing, love, his favor, every good thing he wants to give you that you can't earn or deserve. Come on. When we talk about grace, it's about Jesus gave it to me just because he loved me and I believed in it and I received in it. The hallmark of the law is fear and doing it yourself. And the hallmark of grace is that Jesus did it for me and I receive it by faith. That means I just believe in it and I just accept it. I don't have to earn it. Which is why religion gets us so screwed up sometimes when we, we feel like we're being pushed back over on the lost side where we have to behave a certain way and, and live a certain way in order to, to be righteous. And, and yet God is saying, if you just believe, it's not by works, it's by faith alone. Come on. Hallelujah. We receive it by faith. Over here is love. Over here is life. Over here is Jesus did it for me. And my job is simply to believe in him. Hallelujah. One of the first things that happens when we give our life to Christ, and we place ourselves on this side of the line, is that the work that Jesus did completes the contract. Did you notice the scripture that we just said, that we just read? Let me go back to it again and watch what happens here. It says, having canceled out the certificate of debt. You know what that is? That's your agreement with the law. That's where God says you obey all these rules. And if you don't, death is what's coming to you. But when Jesus, we receive Christ, he fulfills the contract that we had in the past. Come on. Are you with me today? It is completed. It is full. Have you ever been under a contract that you just can't get out of? What happens if you sign a, an automobile loan and you, you drive the car home and then uh, three months later you hadn't made a payment? What happens? They're coming for you, ain't they? Whatever, whatever it is, they're coming for you. You've got to live up to the contract or there's a penalty unless someone comes and pays it for you. When you receive Christ, his life has been put in your place. Come on. That means when, when I go before God to receive blessings, I don't go by my righteousness. I go before him and I go, look, Father, I know that, that, that everything you have is mine, not because I've been good, but because Jesus lived a perfect life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only his life, 
The Bible says he was obedient in life and in death. You see, when I go before God, he doesn't see my sin. You know why? Because Jesus paid the price for my sin. It's already been taken care of. Remember, God doesn't sweep my sin under the rug. Somebody paid for it. Somebody completed my contract. Somebody stamped it paid in full. His name is Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't stand in my own power and my own strength. It says that that contract, that certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, it was hostile to us, but he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Come on, are you with me today? Hallelujah. He disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made a a public display of them and triumphed over them. Can I tell you something? When the devil tries to lift a weapon against me and accuse me from my past, Jesus' blood covers me. God sees me as perfect because I've walked on this side of the land where faith in Christ has made me righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I had a contract that I was determined to, to, to end up in death on this side and Jesus paid the price on the cross and he rose from the dead and he stamped my contract paid in full. Hallelujah. We see when you live on this side of the line, Jesus starts by paying your old contract. And let me tell you something, he forgives your sin, past, present, future. Come on. Some of you living in a, a timeline of, of forgiveness. Not like if you are sinning today, you might go to hell unless you ask God to forgive you before he comes back again or you die. As if salvation is based on timing. Like, like, you know, you driving down, down the road and you're saved and you're in Christ and, and, and uh, uh, somebody pulls in front of you and you get mad and cuss and you just, you, you lose your salvation, you think. And, and then you hit a telephone pole and you're going to hell because you just happened to die before you had a chance to ask God to forgive you. Now, when I was younger, they used to talk about, can you jump off a building and ask God to forgive you on the way down before you die? And would you go to heaven? Silly things like that. Can I tell you something? That's not what being in Christ is about. Paul said it this way. Look, how did you get out of that law and then get sucked right back into it again? Come on. It's not about sin anymore. It's about faith in Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of you need to get that. Yes, we're going to mess up, and I'm going to talk about this in the future. Yes, we're going to need to repent and turn away, but just because you did something wrong doesn't mean you lose your salvation. Just because you did something wrong doesn't mean you're not his child anymore. I was born as a son to Arliss and Gail Avery, and there were, there were lots of times in my life when I didn't do what they wanted me to do, and I might have got a whipping, I might have got put in time out or got something taken away from me, but never once did they disown me. I was always their child. Everything they have is mine. Hallelujah. You need to get out of that mindset that, that your forgiveness is linear. It's got time to it, and you've got to make sure you ask God to forgive you. Otherwise, you might not make it to heaven. That's not how adoption works. But we get messed up because we take that part of the old contract over into this new covenant. You see, actually, forgiveness of sin is not really the beginning of the new contract. It's the completion of the old one. Do you get that? You see, when you, when you placed your life in Christ and he forgave you of all your sin, that was the completion of the law. That was where Jesus fulfilled your old contract so that you could be free to walk into a new one, amen? So don't bring that mindset with you into the new one. 
Come on. If you're with me, say amen. I'm going to read Colossians chapter 2. Oh, excuse me, I already read that. I'm going on to Romans chapter 8. First thing I want you to get, on the grace side, the contract of the law is completed. God didn't just ignore it. He completed it. Jesus completed it for you. Number two, God is no longer your judge. He's your father. See, over here is your judge, remember? He's honest. He's righteous. He's going to take the law, and he's going to judge you according to it. Over here, he's not your judge. He's your father. Oh, God's still a righteous judge, but he's not going to judge me based on me. He's going to judge me based on Jesus. How'd you like to be in a, a school classroom where everybody got the grade of the person who had the highest score? Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, I knew some people that were getting hundreds. They were usually girls. <laughs> and they were getting hundreds every test. And I would have loved to have been in a class where the teacher said, look, whoever has the highest score is applied to everyone's grade. That'd be awesome. You know what happens when you're in Christ? What Jesus earned is applied to your account whether you deserve it or not. Woo! That's good stuff right there. Come on. Some of you wake up and you want to beat yourself up and feel bad because you've made mistakes. You need to remind yourself that you're not living a life based upon blessings that you've earned, but what Jesus has earned. Hallelujah. God is your father. Let's look at Romans. Romans. Watch this. For you have not, if you're on this side of the line, you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, this side of the line. You're not in fear. You're not living in slavery. That's what's over here. In Christ, you're over here. You have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. No longer do we uh, talk to God and, and, and say, yes, judge, or yes, your honor. We say, yes, Father. Yes, Father, hallelujah. God is no longer our judge. He's our Father. He's adopted us into his family. For the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. And watch this. And if children, we are heirs also. Heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ. Hallelujah. Come on, on this side of the line, God's not judging you because it's already been taken care of by Jesus. Hallelujah. And God is my Father. Are you catching this today? He is my father. Not only that, everything he has is mine. Come on. You know, now, if I need a, if I need a tool, it's not so much anymore, but especially when I was younger, if I needed a tool or if I needed whatever, I could go to my parents' house and I could uh, dig through their garage and find what I wanted and take it with me. <clears throat> I won't do that at your house unless you give me a key. You give me a key. I'll come in and dig around and see what I can find. <clears throat> I wouldn't do that at your house. I wouldn't feel comfortable. But I do it at my parents' house. Because all they have is mine, right? Come on. You know what my kids do at my house? They all have a key. They all know the code to the garage. They can all get in. You know what they can do? If they're hungry, they can come raid the refrigerator. If they need a tool, they can come raid my garage. If they need whatever, they can come to my house because everything I got is theirs. Amen? Can I tell you something about our father? He's not stingy. Everything he has is ours. We are heirs of God. You know what that means? That means all that the Father owns is mine. It might not be in my earthly possession now, but if I pray in faith, I just unlock the door to the blessing. Hallelujah. I just unlock the door for what God has already promised me to come true in my life. Hallelujah. Everything that God has 
is mine. Hallelujah. And you know what? Number four, I can rest in this. Come on, I want you to get that. Jesus said, come to me, all you that are laboring and heavily burdened. That's this side of the line. He was talking to people who were struggling under the law, trying to be good, trying to make their life better. And you're working hard. Every time you take a step forward, you get knocked down. Every time you, you make $100, it costs you $200. Every time you do something, it seems like life is kicking you in the teeth. And Jesus is saying, you're struggling. You're weary. You're tired. If you just come over here, I will give you rest. I've paid for it all. I've done it all. Just trust in me. Paul said it this way, no one can separate me from the love of God. There's not a problem that can separate me from the love of God. I can rest in that. There's not a devil who can separate me from the love of God. I can rest in that. Hallelujah. There's not a temptation that can separate me from the love of God. Even my own sin can't separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Hallelujah. My position in Christ is not based on the things I do. It's based on what I believe and what I've accepted and received. Come on. Amen. When I believe in Christ, I cross the line from law to grace. I cross the line from death to life. I cross the line from it being all about me to being all about Jesus. And I, I, when I'm over here, hair of fear lives with me all the time. I remember before I gave my life to Christ, there were times, y'all can be a witness to this, I know. There are times when I'd almost get in a wreck and my heart would pound because eternity just became real to me. Oh my God, I almost left this life. And I know the word, my parents taught it to me. I'm not ready to go. Fear is what happens on this side of the line. But when you cross over, you can rest. You don't have to be afraid. Look what it says here. God didn't give you a spirit of fear where there's punishment. If you're living a Christian life constantly afraid of your father because he's punishing you every second of your life, you don't know the truth. You don't know the word. Come on. God still corrects his children, but he does it in love because he's trying to help you become a better person. He's the one. He's not the one beating you when you're down. He's the one lifting you up when you're down. It's the enemy and your conscience and the law that's beating you up. But when you fall down and you feel somebody whispering and picking you up and pulling on you, whispering in your ear, you can do it. Come on, get back on your feet. I'm with you. I'm going to help you. You're going to do better next time. Hallelujah. That's the Holy Spirit. He didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave you a spirit that says you are a child of God. And nothing can take that away from you today. Love is the hallmark of grace. Oh, what love the Father has lavished upon us that we could be called the sons and the daughters of God. Yes, I'm just amazed by the love of God. I'm amazed by the goodness of God. I'm amazed that God could take somebody like me that doesn't have a lot to offer and use me for his glory. I'm amazed that he would allow me to be a part of his family, to sit at his table. I'm amazed that he offered me eternal life. I'm amazed continually today by the love that I feel from him towards me me can somebody say amen today so i want to encourage you walk cross the line cross the line cross the line today 
Listen, I didn't come to tell you that you, you need to start going to church. I didn't come to tell you that you need to buy a suit. I didn't come to tell you that you need to cut your hair. I didn't come to tell you that you need to quit cussing, drinking, and chewing, and running with the people who are doing. I didn't tell you any of that stuff. What I came here to today to tell you is that if you just place your faith in Christ, just believe that Jesus is the Son of God and receive what he's done for you today. It's as simple as that. Everything else God's going to take care of down the road. Come on. Hallelujah. You see, God, God will love you where you are, but he doesn't leave you where you are. <laughs> That's good. That'll preach right there. But you just don't need to worry about that. Don't start trying to fix yourself up and make everything better and start looking like everybody at church and, and acting like a Christian. Listen, what you need to start with is faith in Christ. Here's what you need to do to cross the line. Number one, believe. Believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. And if you're thinking to me today, Pastor, tell me some, tell me some uh, evidentiary proofs. You know, prove to me that Jesus is the Son of God. Can I tell you that you, that you can't understand it in your mind. It's a spiritual thing. And what happens is that the Holy Spirit who is working in you right now is wakening and alivening your dead spirit so that you can realize your need for God. The old timers called that conviction. What they really mean is that God is turning the light on dead spirits so that you realize you need God. And you can either intellectually reject it or you can respond to what your spirit is saying. The choice is yours. But you've got to take a leap of faith to believe that Jesus is the son of God. You've got to know it in the depths of your spirit and take a leap of faith. Number two, repent. Here's another word that I need to fix for you because a lot of people, uh, you know, they like to, to think of repent as people who have sinned and they cry and they whine and they, they just, uh, you know, they cry out and the tears and the snot balls are falling out of their face and that's what repentance is. Can I tell you what repentance is? Repentance is turning away from where you've been into something better. You know what repentance is? Repentance is I was all over here in the law, but I'm rejecting this and I'm going over here into grace. Come on, come on. You can't turn to Jesus without turning away from the old life. Come on, come on. I can tell I ain't preaching in a couple weeks because I got sermons coming out of my ears now. That one there will preach, brother. That will preach. Turn away from saving yourself and turn to Jesus. Number three, accept what Christ has done for you. Just believe it. Yeah, the devil's going to tell you, oh, you screwed up big time today, Larry. I heard what you said. I know what you were thinking. I saw what you did. You took an extra 10 minutes on your break, and you weren't supposed to do that. And, and uh, you know, you might go to hell for that. I had one fellow tell me his mother's really, really up in age, and, and uh, she's so staunch into the law. She said that, uh, uh, you know, if you speed... On the highway, you're breaking the law, and the Bible says don't break the laws of the land, and you might go to hell if you're speeding, so don't be speeding. That's how entrenched some people are in the law. Some of y'all bust hell wide open, I know. That's why you're laughing, right? <laughs> but, but if it's going to be based on what you do, you're in big trouble. Now, to, to cross the line, you just got to say, Jesus did it for me, and I'm just going to receive what Christ did for me. Hallelujah. 
I'm just going to let that be what, what defines my life. And finally today, you've got to confess that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, your King. And one of the best ways to do that is through baptism in water. Uh, and baptism in water is the, the ceremony that represents your new birth in Christ. You crossing the line. When, when you go onto the water, that's the dead person, the old you that died and no longer is alive, goes under like it's dead. And when you come out of the water, that is like the new person in Christ that rises and is, is righteous because of what Christ has done. And when you do that before the world, you're making a proclamation that I don't trust in myself. I don't trust in this world. I put my faith in Christ. I'm not living under the law. I'm living under the grace of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. There are no secret Christians. God wants you to make a confession. God wants you to say out loud, Jesus is Lord of Lords. You see, somebody's got to proclaim it. While we're always asking God to send us another person, another uh, great preacher, another great this, you know who God wants to proclaim Jesus in your home? You. You know who God has picked to proclaim Jesus on your job? You. You know who God has chosen to proclaim Jesus in your school? That's right. It's you. Hallelujah. You need to stand up and declare Jesus is Lord. And listen, when the people say, how can you be a Christian? Because you make all these mistakes. I heard you say something you shouldn't have said. Some of y'all did that this morning. I won't point, but when I was working a regular job, I'm going to close with this. People knew I was a Christian because I declared Jesus. I didn't preach every day and make a spectacle, but I declared and tried to live a Christian life. Well, one time we went to the, for lunch, we went to Wendy's or something, and I just got ice water and, uh, you know, charge you for ice water. And so uh, we're talking, the guys are talking, and I go over to the fountain drink thing, and not thinking, I just start filling up with Coke. And somebody who was with me caught me. So you just, you just ordered water, and you're drinking Coke. You stole from them people, didn't you? Well, he was right. But he began to uh, try to make it out like I wasn't really a Christian. What he didn't know, Harold, is... I can preach at work, too. Whew, I know this stuff. Don't get me started on this. Because you don't know what a Christ, being a Christian is. Being a Christian is being just as screwed up as everybody else. Being a Christian is making mistakes just like everybody else. Being a Christian is losing cool, losing your cool just like everybody else. Come on, what's beautiful is not that we're better than everybody, it's that God loves us anyway. What's beautiful is not that we have attained some level of living that's better than average, it's that we're messed up and God accepts us and loves us anyway because we've received Christ. So I want to encourage you today to cross the line. You don't have to live on this side of the line. And listen, you don't have to become like me to cross the line. You don't, have to, you don't have to dress like me, talk like me, act like me. Can I tell you, there are churches that are very uh, traditional and formal and groups of people that you can be a part of that if that's where you fit, fit there. There are other churches that, that just hang out anywhere and they, they pray together and work together and they, they, you know, they have couches where they meet and they'll, they'll meet in a coffee shop. If that's you, then go to that church. But find your community of people and be a part of what God is doing doing you need it today you need it you can cross the line and you can do it today just by faith in Christ so I want everyone to just bow your head right now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand this morning I'm not going to ask you to come forward and if you're listening by Facebook today 
I'm talking to you and I'm feeling you today. And I want you to know that God loves you. He didn't make the rules for you to drive yourself crazy trying to obey him. He made the rules so you'd come to the end of yourself. So that you'd realize there's no way you could do that. And you'd turn to Jesus. This is your turning to Jesus moment. This is your moment where you can stop struggling in your own strength and your own power. And you can begin to just accept what Christ has done for you. And so the first thing is just to believe. Just believe in your heart. Just say it with your mouth, Jesus. I believe you're the son of God. And I believe that you died for me. I believe that you gave your life for me and that you rose from the dead so that I could live too. And I'm turning. I'm turning away from the life that I once had to the life that I have in you now. I don't want to struggle earning my own place. I want to just receive it by faith in Christ. And I t today, Father, I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know how I'm going to live the Christian life, but I'm trusting you and I'm believing you and I'm not expecting myself to be perfect. I'm not expecting anything of me other than just to trust you. I'm just going to start by trusting you and I receive, Jesus, what you've done, your perfect life in place of mine. Your death paying for my sin in place of my death. Your resurrection life giving me new life. All that you did, Jesus, I receive it by faith today. I believe it and I trust in it with all my heart. It's as simple as that. You can go from death to life. You can go from struggling in yourself to resting in Christ. You can go from fear to love. You can go from judge to father. Hallelujah. 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 Church, would you just stand with me at this time? And I want us to just.